This is the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Ladysmith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. Rick Nicely is the lead pastor. If you will, turn to, um, I can already say Luke, who we were there for such a long time, Acts chapter 2. Acts is the second uh, half of uh, the writing of Luke. It's, it's, it's the second volume to a one, one writing. Um, so we're going to go over a little bit of what we did last week and then pick right up in Acts 2. The verse that really kind of was the main verse last week was found in Acts 1.8, where it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, this idea that you will receive power and you will be my witnesses, meaning you will be uh, those who demonstrate what Jesus demonstrated, okay? You will live out like he lived. You will make um, many Christ, if you will. And so it's this, this picture that God created us to be a part of his redemption plan. It, it sounds crazy to me to use people that are broken and people that have uh, lots of baggage and uh, some, some of us have suitcases, some of us have tractor trailers, I get it, uh, but we, we all come uh, to Christ with humility, that's the only way, and brokenness before God, and when that happens, he still uses us. It's crazy that he uses a guy like me who's got so many flaws and, and failures and so many things in his past that he screwed up on, but for some reason, God uses us for his glory. He, he takes the foolish things of this world to astound the wise. And so what we talked about was this idea that in that, in that verse, we, we, we kind of have three things. We have one is the, this idea of power. We, we are given the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so it's this idea of being. It answers this, the question of who am I created to be? You're created to be an image bearer of God. You're, you're, to create it, you're created to be uh, a design that God created to have fellowship with him, but also to reflect him, not to rival him. And so you're, you're created to be this image bearer. It's how God created Adam and Eve, but because of sin, it severed the relationship and caused a great uh, devastation of the curse to continue to happen from one generation to the next. But God came through his son Jesus to redeem us, to buy us back. And now we can literally be fully alive. We can be fully human, how God created us to be. And then it's also this idea of purpose. So it answers the question, why, uh, what am I created to do? So this idea of being and doing, it gives us purpose. We're, we're to go and to be examples, but also to replicate, to multiply, to be disciple makers that make disciples. And then we, we talked about ultimately it's this idea of, of our plan. So it's power, purpose, plan, and that is to go. Where am I created to go? What is it that God's created me to do? We know that primary calling is to make disciples, but that secondary calling, what does that look like where I live, work, and play? And I talked about this idea of a sweet spot. Um, and understanding that all of us come, again, from different backgrounds and makeups and even within our personalities. So what does it mean to, to, to make disciples within that sweet spot? And 
So that's a really good big picture of really the whole book of Acts because you're going to see it broken down where it first starts out in this idea of Jerusalem. So it's all Jews at the beginning that the gospel is being spread to. And then eventually to Judea and Samaria, places where are outside Jerusalem. But really people that really had tough relationships that weren't really that good meshed with. So it's, it's this idea of also bringing in diversity and bringing in this deep community that is generous, but also doesn't have levels. We're all equal at the cross. And then ultimately to the ends of the earth. And so this is really what we see. And highlighted a little bit last week, but we're going to kind of unpack a little bit more about the Holy Spirit today and what that looks like. If you go all the way back to the very first book of the Bible, and we see Genesis uh, chapter 1 and verse 2, it says this, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was, if you will, hovering over the face of the waters. And so what we see here is we see uh, this idea of without form and void and darkness was over the face of the earth. So this, this idea of, of a form was, or without form, it was this idea that there was no life. Um, there, was, there was no order. And then this idea of void that there was without purpose and meaning. And then um, ultimately that there was darkness. There was no beauty here. And so we see that the Holy Spirit, if we have the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit brought in life, order, purpose, meaning, and beauty. Okay? And so when we see that, we need to know that the Holy Spirit from the beginning was bringing all these things, and he's also bringing those to us now, okay? So he's bringing into our lives this idea of life, order, purpose, meaning, and beauty. And so we see in the Old Testament several examples of the Holy Spirit working in individuals' lives. One was this guy named Joseph, who the Holy Spirit gave him the power to, if you will, to interpret dreams. And at the time, the king's dreams. And so he gave, them, he gave him the power to interpret dreams. And then we see another um, character in uh, Exodus 31 where this guy named Be- Beziel, which was an artist, God, God literally gave him the power of craftsmanship. I mean, this guy was like, I mean, he, he was a blacksmith, he was a seamstress, he was a craftsman. This guy could do anything and everything to make be- beautiful things for the tabernacle and the temple. And so the Holy Spirit anointed him and used him in that instance. We also see the Holy Spirit in the life and the work of the prophets. We see God allowing people, men, prophetess, women, to to see things from his point of view. God's spirit had created a really good world, but humans had given into evil and unleashed chaos and to create even new kinds of disorder. And the prophets spoke into that constantly. That's why most of them were killed or suffered greatly, were martyred, beaten, in jail, uh, in, in prison. I mean, we see this, but this is where... Again, the Holy Spirit empowered the prophets and see ultimately 
all those prophecies and the things that the prophets talked about would eventually point to the promise of the Father, his Holy Spirit, that one day that his spirit would come and not indwell a building or a place, but indwell us, the new temple, okay? The new temple. So God's spirit is ultimately to come to transform the human heart. Now, we also see, as the New Testament begins, we see in the Gospels, we see the Holy Spirit falling down at, on, on the t- at the time that Jesus was baptized. We see the, the Holy Spirit ascend and like a dove came upon Jesus. Now, understanding he was fully God and fully man, okay? Understanding, but it, 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 it's, it's showing this picture that he was being empowered at that moment to begin the work of the ministry, to begin, if you will, the new creation. And so what we see at that point is Jesus begins to heal people. He, he begins to deliver people. By the way, I said last week, <laughs> my wife uh, and I joke about some of the things I end up saying from the pulpit because it, it can get a little humor sometimes. I, I go too fast at times. But I said the lame to see last week. I apologize. The lame to walk and the blind to see. But anyway, so it's this idea that, 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 that Jesus came and he began to heal people. He began to deliver them. He began to set them free from the bondage and the curse of sin. You understand that all disease and sickness and illness, it's all a result of the curse of sin. Even our own division among the world now, and even within our own country, is really the result of sin and sin nature. And so understanding that Jesus came, he came ultimately to reconcile us to the Father, but he also began to bring heaven to earth, and, and God began through Jesus in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit would even, at one point, raise other people from the dead, but then eventually his Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And so it's his Spirit that gives him the power. It's it's his Spirit that gives us the power to live out the life. In fact, we see in John 20, 22, that after the resurrection, that it literally it says that Jesus breathed on his fathers after his resurrection and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, we'll talk about what that meant in just a little bit, but it's, it's this idea that God gives us the Holy Spirit ultimately to follow him, the power to follow him, to be a witness, and to love others and to love him, okay? Because like I said last week, if you do not have the Holy Spirit in you, one, you're not a believer. Two, okay, you don't have the power to live for Jesus and to live and to love others, okay? And so it's this idea that the Holy Spirit empowers us to love God and love others, both then and now. So let's pick up with Acts 2, Acts 2, and we're going to read the first 12 verses. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, 
from every nation under heaven. Does that sound familiar? Uh, we'll, 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 you'll see what I'm saying in just a few minutes. Hold, hold tight on that. And at this sound, the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, and residents from Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and, Pam- and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Serene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. Uh, we hear them telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. Listen, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? Now, what I've noticed, I grew up in church. I've served in the church a long time. We tend to have two camps here. We tend to have the people that really love uh, Acts chapter 2, 1 through 12. Yeah, and then we got other ones that love the like the last four verses where it says that they devoted themselves to doctrine and praying and teaching, right, and breaking of bread, right, and which we'll get to next week. So this is this is where I see we we fall in these two camps. But I read a book years ago called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, and it was a guy named Jim Sumbala in, in New York who started the church and he. He, he realized in the midst that we have these camps, it's all about doctrine and the Holy Spirit scares everybody in the church, or we have the, the people who are just all about the Holy Spirit and for the, even for the sacrifice and doctrine, okay? So I will say to you, both doctrine is important, but it's very clear in Acts, the Holy Spirit is important. So it's a blend of both, all right? It's not one or the other, it's a both and. So it's this idea that the Holy Spirit and doctrine working together, now, it's also very clear in Scripture that when you read and it says that they spoke in tongues as the Spirit gave utterance, and they all heard it in their own native tongue. So what does it mean? In this text, it's very clear that this was other languages, okay? It was, it's very clear that these were human intellectual dialects. So it would be like me coming up today, and there was somebody here that was from Germany, and they were... They were, they were there from you know, birth, and they'd always known uh, uh, German language. And I would come up here and speak perfect German without even my southern accent, okay? It, it would be perfect, okay? And they would, they would understand it. And this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. Or if I were to come up here and, and speak uh, Arabic, okay, um, some people think I do sometimes, okay? But it, it's this... <laughs> It's this idea of coming up and speaking perfect dialect in someone's own native language. And this is what we have. Now, guys, I I want you to understand, this blows my mind, and it should blow your mind that this happened, okay? But it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what we see is, we see that the day of Pentecost was literally one of the feasts that the Jewish people celebrated, and it was literally meant the Feast of Harvest. Now think about that. Again, we have to step back and see 
that God is orchestrating. Just like they played beautiful music up here today. Imagine if you've ever been to maybe a classic, a classic orchestra, right? Or, or some opera where there's just perfect pitch and perfect sound and, and just everything's perfect. That is what God is doing in his plan of redemption. I mean, you step back and see that God's perfect timing on the day uh, the Passover happened when Jesus was sacrificed, the perfect lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Fifty days later, we see after his resurrection, this picture of the, the Pentecost, the day of harvest, if you will, when there's going to be a great harvest of souls, right? So all this is going to begin to fit together and make more sense as we walk through this, that God has his plan that's sovereign and perfect in every way, Okay. And so we see this idea of the Holy Spirit, this idea of the Holy Spirit, the, 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 um, the word in Hebrew is ruach, okay? It describes in the Old Testament this, this picture, as scripture really plays out, his personal presence. It's God's personal presence. I don't know about you, but I want to be in the presence of God. I, I, I want to be in his presence. And so this, this idea of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is this idea that is his presence dwells. Just like we saw in the Old Testament in the, in the temple and the tabernacle where there was wind and fire and lightning. It was, it's scary, but at the same time, there's just like all about it. I think about that verse where, where it talks about Matthew where the, the women left the tomb and it says they were both fearful and excited at the same time. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, that emotion where you're excited, but it's the same time, it's like, whoa, what just happened? It's this fear of God, but this excitement that God is at work, okay? And so it's this picture of seeing and feeling and experiencing God in his personal presence. And so this, this, the actual word literally means wind or breath, this idea of energy almost. It's it's when people breathe in and breathe out, it's more than just the breath, it's the vitality of feeling life. And this is what he's saying about his spirit. The, even though God's spirit is invisible, just like the wind, the wind has power, God is powerful, all powerful, right? And so, um, you know, I, I think God gives us things that are on our level to understand the best we can understand, but we still can't quite understand it all, Right? In some of the ways, God reveals himself in scripture enough for us to understand and believe, but there's still so many things about him that we, we can't guess, but we got to know that there's things that God's still trying to reveal to us and bring to us in life. I, I, the only way for me to really describe that is I'm going through a couple little books with my girls. Michelle does a great job in the mornings and spends time with them in devotion. In the evenings around dinner time, we're doing this little book called Theology. Okay, so it's this idea of teaching theology to your kids, and you just read a little thing, and it has one big principle you're reading about, and you read all these verses, and what I'm realizing as I'm, as I'm going through this with my, my girls is you have to teach in such a way that all the principles and kind of the, the things that they understand as, as nine and 10-year-olds, right, that I have to teach on that level, because they can only grasp those things, all right, but you... you as they get older, they'll be able to learn more. And, and, and I know Jesus uh, Christ, as he revealed himself to us 
And now as God's revealing his Holy Spirit to us, he's kind of revealing him within terms and understandings of how we can understand him. And so when I explain this, I know I'm not going to explain it perfectly, but it's, it's how God is revealing himself. And so we see this, this picture of wind and fire referring to the Old Testament presence in the temple and tabernacle. But ultimately, we see this picture knowing that now God is not filling a place or a building, but he's filling, filling his people, okay? So now we are that tabernacle, and God's spirit is falling on us and filling us, and his presence is with us. And it fills us, it sustains us. So 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says this, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, you were bought with a price. So therefore, glorify God with your body. Or we need, to, we need to understand that the big idea for today is this idea that when Jesus' followers focused on God's glory, not their own, the Holy Spirit unifies them to reach the nations. So I want you to think about that. When Jesus' followers focus on God's glory, not their own, the Holy Spirit unifies them to reach the nations. This is what we see happen. And we see, so we see the, we see the Holy Spirit fill these people, understanding they're not their own. They've been bought with a price. Jesus paid. But ultimately, God wants to unify his people, right? He wants to bring them back together. And we see that found in Isaiah 11 and Ezekiel 37. So we're going we're gonna to pause there because I'm going to bring that back up. But I, I want us to just pause for a second and talk about the Holy Spirit, okay? And and what we need to know from Scripture about it. And really, what does it mean And when Luke 4, or Luke 24, when Jesus says, go and wait for the promise of the Father to be clothed in power from on high, okay? And what did that, does that mean the same as what we have now as the Holy Spirit in us, okay? So let, let me try to clear this out. What becomes very clear in the Word of God, okay, that the Holy Spirit comes upon those and dwells inside of those who have put faith in Jesus Christ, okay? Very clear. That if you've confessed Jesus as Savior and Lord, and you have trusted him, and you've repented of your sins, the Holy Spirit comes. He does the work of illumination. He reveals to your heart that you're in need of a Savior. And if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, okay? That's good news. That's really good news. In fact, let me read a text to you, Galatians 1, 13 and 14. It says this, in him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So the moment you confess Jesus as Savior, it says here that your Holy Spirit indwells you and seals you. He's your guarantor, okay? He's, he is money in the bank, okay? That's what he is, okay? So it's this idea of understanding this. And this happens repeatedly throughout the book of Acts. We see the gospel is proclaimed, the Holy Spirit falls, and men and women are saved, okay? That's what we see all through scripture. 
We see the Holy Spirit, the gospel proclaimed, the Holy Spirit fall, and people are saved. So listen, I want you to write this down. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is inside of you, okay? If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. Now, so this group of men who are already saved and have the Holy Spirit in them, he says to them, go and wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And in Luke 24, 49, it says, to be clothed them in power, who clothes them in power. So what's the difference, okay, between the Holy Spirit living in us and clothe them in power? What's the difference between just having the Holy Spirit inside of you, walking along with the Lord and being clothed in the power from on high or having the Holy Spirit come upon you? Now, I know some of you guys are saying, is this guy going to do the, the second blessing? I mean, what is this guy preaching about, right? I mean, I understand some of you Southern Baptists are up there. Ah, okay, so I'm not saying that, okay? What I'm saying is this. God's spirit should be filling us and filling us and filling us. And we see that God meets people in certain places and does amazing things through the power of his Holy Spirit, okay? Let me try to describe it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a gentleman. Um, his name is uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was a Welsh um, Protestant pastor and also a medical doctor. Now, you guys know I have two precious little girls, right? And... Uh, they're getting older and older, and so things are that dad could get away with before. He can't quite get away with now, right? Um, but there, there are some things that I still love to do to my little girls. And one of them is just as I'm holding their hands, I just grab them, right? And, and sometimes we have this little saying, do you want to be carried like a sack of potatoes or like a princess, Right? And so I'll put them over my shoulder and carry them like a sack of potatoes. Or sometimes I carry them like a princess, right? And so, but I just, when they were little, I would just pick them up and kiss all over their face and, and love on them and tell them how much I love them and tickle them, and, right? It would almost be like, and, and sometimes they would ask for it, and there'd be other times where I would just, just startle them, right? I would just get them and, and just love on them. Well, let me, let me describe what Martin Lloyd-Jones talks about in this when he talks about the Holy Spirit. He says, he uses this illustration. He talks about Christians as a happiness in the Lord that is there because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of them, right? Our Christian experience is one of a child holding our father's hand, faithfully walking down the road. We feel safe. We feel secure. We are his, yet not overly compelled to sing about or shout about that. We're just happy. We're safe, and we're walking fully, faithfully, and holding our father's hand. And there will be those moments where the, the father, father startles his sons or his daughters by sweeping them quickly off the ground, pulling them, kissing their neck, then pushing them back and looking into her eyes and saying with all affection and imagination, I'm so glad you're mine. And then pulling them back in one more tighter brace and putting them down on the ground to continue to walk. Lloyd-Jones says, that's what it looks like. This is what it looks like to be clothed in the power from on high, okay? It's this picture of the Father just drawing us in close and loving, almost startling us and giving us this overwhelming sense of power and love because we're in closeness to the Father. That's what it feels like to be covered in the power of the Holy Spirit. I love what Lloyd-Jones continues to say. The fuses of love are are so overloaded that they're almost blow, blow out. 
the subconsciousness, subconscious doubts that he wasn't thinking about at the time. But that popped up every now and then are all gone. And in their place is this utter and indescribable assurance so that you know that you know that you know that God is real and that Jesus is alive and you're loved and you're saved. It's the greatest thing in the world. And as you walk down the street, you can scarcely contain yourself and you want to cry out, my father loves me. My father loves me. Oh, what a great father I have. What a great father. What a father. That's what it's like to be clothed with power from on high, driving out any doubt, any lack of assurance or gladness of heart and blowing, all, blowing the blowing of the fuses of our hearts under the weight of God's delight in his children. That's what it's like to be clothed from on high. I don't know if you experienced that or not, but I want you to know this. If you've not experienced that startling, it does not mean you're not saved, okay? Don't hear me say what I'm not saying. I'm saying God does in supernatural ways, draws us close and does these things. But listen, we should love the supernatural. We should, we should, we should pray and want to see the supernatural. We should plead constantly that God does supernatural. Anytime I go into a hospital and pray for somebody who's sick or terminally ill, I pray that God will do the supernatural, okay? But this is what I pray and understand that even if he doesn't, okay, it doesn't mean that person isn't saved and I'm not saved because this is what I've realized about the supernatural, Supernaturals has never anchored anyone in long-term faithfulness in following Jesus. Never, okay? They're a sign from God. God does amazing things, okay? But it doesn't, let me tell you an example of that. Think about if you were a part of the Israelites and you walked, I've been to the Red Sea, it's giant, okay? And you walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. You would think that was a supernatural act. That would seal them. They're good. They're going to go to the promised land, right? 30 days later, what happened? They are melting all their gold, building a little calf, and worshiping and having an orgy. That's what's happening, okay? Now imagine they experienced a supernatural thing, but it did not guarantee or anchor them in faithfulness to God. Listen, the only one that can do that is Jesus, okay? The only one that can do that is Jesus, so only Jesus can do that. And, and if, if we're not been swept up like that, we pray for it, we ask for it, we expect it, we plead to God on high to let us experience it, but it doesn't mean we're not a believer if you don't. You hold the hand of the Father day in and day out in obedience to his commands to be safe and secure in the Father's love. What a gift that is. But listen, there's many people that have not experienced the holding of the Father's hand. And we have that as believers. When Jesus says, here, the Holy Spirit will be given to us, in one sense, he has been given to us so that we may walk day in and day out in obedience to his commands. But we'll be clothed in power from on high is these moments where God wants a heightened awareness and an increase of affection and use in a profound, powerful way that are outside the norm. It's not that we shouldn't seek after it, but to understand if we don't experience it doesn't mean we're broken, okay? Doesn't mean we're not believers, Christ. So 
what was, what was God really up to here? Ultimately, he was given the, the followers of his son Jesus the power to be witnesses. But listen, what else he's saying, okay? The, go back to Genesis. We see all the way back, like Genesis 6, we see God is, God is sad that he even made man because the wickedness is so bad, right? And he sends a flood. And Noah and his family are the only survivors. And they start all anew. But do you know, I mean, within a couple chapters uh, of after the floods receding, in, in um, Genesis 8 and 9, we see God made a covenant with Noah. We see in chapter 11 this thing called the Tower of Babel, right? I mean, within a couple chapters, here they are again, right? They're rebelling against God. What are they doing? They're setting up a place where they're trying to rival God. And they are seeking their glory and their honor. And God looks down on it. This is classic, okay? This is classic. Listen, when, when you study and read God's word, let me tell you something. It will reveal, reveal God to you and he will show you the, the junk that's in your heart and the stuff in your life that you just need to begin to get rid of. But I, I see this where in the beginning of chapter 11, it says this. These are, these are people, okay? It says, come let us make bricks. Come let us build ourselves a city. Come let us make a name for ourselves, right? Now, the language in that, if you see let us, we see in Genesis. And what is it? It's the one triune God, right? Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, right? So we see man again, just like in the garden, they're trying to rival God instead of reflect him, okay? And so we see this in the text. We see this rebellion. And what happens when at Babel, man focuses on his own glory, God causes disunity, he causes distance, and he causes disparity. But listen, we see the effects of Bible and sin begin to be reversed at the day of Pentecost. Because this is what we see at Pentecost. We see man's focus on God's glory. God brought unity, community, and hope. Think about that. We see all those people gathering, and they all had one language, but they tried to rival God, and God broke them up and gave them different languages and cultures, and they they diversified in that sense, but they, they left, they scattered. They had no hope, nothing. And then we see God in his sovereignty and plan begin to bring his people back as he had prophesied it in the Old Testament. And when they bring them together, we see there were many languages, but they spoke one and they all heard the gospel in one language in that sense, okay? So we see him reverse the Tower of Babel and the curse is that day of Pentecost, man focused on God's glory and God brought unity, community, and hope. Literally, the curse of Babel was beginning to be reversed. Instead of one language becoming many, and many languages become one. As the travelers from distant lands ascend on Jerusalem at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on the disciples and they speak in tongues with a pouring out of the Spirit right after Christ's ascension. God began to undo the effects of sin. Now listen, this gives us a clear picture of what God was up to. See, today the Holy Spirit is still hovering in dark places, just like in Genesis 1, pointing people to Jesus. That's what we see. 
And guess what? You're in many of those dark places. And I don't mean saying that you're in sin. I mean, you're out in culture, right? And you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, right? And so now you're in those places. You're in those highways and byways, so to speak. You're at places where people live, work, and play. And so now the Holy Spirit, and what we see very clear in the book of Acts, it shows us that God's determination to bring his blessing to every corner of the earth. And we see it beginning right here. We see Acts shows us that God's determination to bring his blessing to every corner of the earth. And he wants us to be a part of it. We get to be a part of his plan. We get to be a part of his work. So I want to ask you this big question this morning, okay? I want to ask you this big question this morning. Are you focused on God's glory so you can reach the nations and our neighbors? Are we focused on God's glory so we can reach the nations and our neighbors? That's a question we have to both ask individually and corporately. Where are we at? Are are we focusing about, is this about Spotswood at Ladysmith? Is this about individuals in here? Or are we about the work and the power and the movement of the Holy Spirit so he can work through us? We die to self and we let God's spirit rule and reign in our lives. As, As John the Baptist says, I must decrease and he must increase. That is what God is calling us here. And, and God uses his power through his Holy Spirit to give us boldness, to give us words we don't know what to say and how to say it at times, but we just are obedient. And when we walk through those opportunities of obedience, God shows up in a supernatural way and he does what he can only do, and that's to change hearts and lives eternally. He can do that work. All we have to do is be the news boys and the news girls, so to speak. We're bringing the news. We're sharing. But when we share and the Holy Spirit falls, people are saved and redeemed. We stand. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. God, there'll be people down front here this morning, be able to pray with. And God, if there's, there are people here this morning, God, that they do not know what it's like to hold the Father's hand. They don't have that assurance of salvation to walk with the Father. God, would you, would you, would you give them the desire, the unction to know you today? God, would, you, would your Holy Spirit illuminate their hearts and minds, pull back the, 1 Corinthians 3, 3, I think it says, it says, remove the blinders of unbelief. God, would you give them the belief, the faith to believe? It says that the enemy has blinded those who do not believe. God, I know I was one of those. God, you, you've removed those blinders from me. God, if there's anyone here this morning, but God, they, they're walking with you, but God, they just, they just sense that, God, you, you want to do a work in their life. God, they just need just a, a fresh touch from you. God, would you just show up in a powerful way? God, would you just love on them? Would you reassure them? Would you let them know that you that they are one of your sons and one of your daughters. God, that you have that purpose and plan for them to be going to be going out. Not standing from afar, but being a part of your plan. God, do what only you can do, Father. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been the weekly podcast from Spotswood at Lady Smith in Caroline County, Virginia, USA. 
These podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Google Play. You can also find the video version of the podcast on our YouTube channel. Just go to SpotswoodLS.org and click the YouTube link. Thanks for listening, and God bless you.